It's icky, it's squeamish, and no one wants to talk about it until two naked porn stars came knocking. Hiya, I'm Sue. This is Derek. We're here because your son just looked us up online, you know, to watch us. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, young people and pornography. We look at what was behind the Kiwi porn ad that's hooked more than 22 million viewers and got people talking. So he watches you online? Yay! You know, on his laptop. Released in lockdown when porn usage spiked. iPad, PlayStation. Mm, His phone, your phone. Smart TV projector. Yeah, anyway, we usually perform for adults, but your son's just a kid. Just a kid. That's the thing that grabbed Hilary Nankey, one of the partners of Motion Sickness, the agency that made the ad. Their first experience of sex, completely unsupervised in the wild, wild west of the online world. The most concerning thing to me, actually, is the number of very young children who tell us that they've seen porn. So one in four of the people that we surveyed had seen pornography before the age of 12. That's Chief Censor David Shanks talking to NewsHub about New Zealand youth and pornography. How young is the youngest are we talking about? Well, look, we, we can't track that back, but we know from other evidence that you know, we're talking very young. Eight, you nine, know, eight, yes, nine, yes, eight, nine, Yes, and ten. younger. Yes, absolutely. And younger uh, than that? Yes, for sure. But there's more. The Classification Office released a study in April. It's the third in a series over three years. Add to that a report out last week from the Broadcasting Standards Authority which says nearly 9 out of 10 children over the age of 10 said they had seen content that had upset them over the past year. And here's what young people have told the classification office. Young boys and girls are looking at porn. Porn can have a negative impact on body image and confidence, and it can negatively influence sex. Young people and adults are not talking about porn. Young people want sex education to include information about porn. And young people have a range of views about filters or age verification, but they all agree that children shouldn't have access to porn. I know it's awkward and a taboo topic, but young people are interested in sex and they want to see it and they may be viewing it because they enjoy it. And that can be a bit of a pill for some people to swallow. Chris Taylor's just finished a PhD at Auckland University on pornography addiction. Uh, I interviewed uh, groups of men and uh, surveyed them as well and asked them about what sort of problems pornography might pose to them. They were very candid. What kind of things did they tell you that was a revelation? That the sources of distress that arise from pornography are very diverse. One of the fascinating things about the concept of pornography addiction is that one person who views a Victoria's Secret catalogue once a month might describe themselves as an addict, while somebody who views pornography and very hardcore pornography daily might not because they feel fine about it. One of the novel ones that I think about a lot is that a lot of them described seeing pornography at quite a young age, the average age was around 12, and these are all men over the age of 18, predominantly in their 40s, and and mainly through family members, mainly from that sort of stereotype of finding the parents' pornography stash. But they talked about it in this nostalgic way, in a way that was sort of rose-tinted, saying, oh, you know, it was fantastic or it was a thrill to find this thing. And I think that that's a really interesting comparison to how we talk about young people seeing pornography today is that we have these older men 
fondly remembering their early experiences with pornography, and yet today we have this very uh, worried perspective on it. David Shanks, the chief censor, said for many children and young people in Aotearoa today, porn is as close as the nearest phone. So is that the big problem? I wouldn't use the word uh, problem. I mean, it's clearly something that we are having to grapple with, that the access to the internet allows access to anything. Young people have more access to phones, and so they can view whatever they like. I'd like to give teenagers and young people a little bit of credit, and the research that David Shanks' office has done has borne this out, that young people can make decisions around what they view. They do reject the majority of content that is extremely violent, for example. They do make distinctions between different types of pornography. They do understand that pornography isn't real, in quotation marks, but at the same time they lack any other source of information about sex. So I can't, I can't really blame them for looking at pornography because they are interested, teenagers are naturally interested in sex. But, you know, I mean, where else are they going to get that information from? And that's the interesting thing is that I think what this research has shown is that boys and girls as well, even under the age of 12, looking at porn is their first sexual experience. Surely that's worrying. Or is it? Well, is it? Yeah. I think it depends what they're seeing, obviously. I think that that's, that's really important. The content that is available out there is less than ideal as a sex educator. And don't forget, it's not just a sex educator for teenagers, but young children. Here's David Shanks talking to News Hub's AM show. And our research shows that they come across it by accident, so they're not looking for it. Young children don't go looking for porn. They They don't know what it is. They they don't know what it is, but they, they, they stumble across it, or our research shows they have it shown to them. We know from um, cognitive development theory that there can be some real impacts around that. Um, actually, children can hold these images in their heads for a long time, and we know that you know they are needing to develop a sexual script later in life. Yes. But you know, exposure to pornography at an early stage is is, is not a good indicator for for the development no. of that script. Anyone who has a, a sort of perspective on pornography, I think we can all agree that it is a terrible sex educator and that that was never what it was set out to do. You know, it never <laughs> set out to be instructive. It's a, a form of entertainment. So I think that we can all agree on that. The, there is problematic content out there that they can view, obviously. But as I say, lots of them are able to avoid that content. The only problem is that they're doing that in a vacuum, that lots of these teenagers are having to figure out how to make those distinctions in a vacuum without any other input. If you're a 13-year-old and you view content that you might find uh, disturbing or you find problematic in some way, then there's very few avenues through which to uh, discuss that or to make sense of it beyond perhaps your peer groups, and even then, maybe not. So, I mean... I think so how do you change that? Well, uh, sex education would be number one. But there is sex education well, sorry, in schools. Por- pornography-integrated sex education mm. that is much more... that is approached at a younger age, given at a younger age, and is done in a way that offers young people the ability to reflect on the content that they see. The issue is that lots of, teenage, uh, lots of teachers sorry, most likely are either not aware or feel very uncomfortable about talking about pornography, but... In my experience, if you give teenagers the chance to talk about issues of sex and sexuality and pornography, they will go for it. How do you do that? 
ask them questions. Ask them, ask them what they see. Ask them uh, what things they like, what they don't like, what what content they find disturbing, what um, what things are common in pornography. I think that those are easy ways to to broach it. Or not easy. I mean, no conversation about pornography is easy. It's easy for me because I've been studying it for a long time. But the truth is that once you get the ball rolling, it's very easy. I get approached all the time with people who really find out that I can have a frank conversation about pornography and they just go for it. Mm, I don't know. It makes me a bit squirmy. Actually. I understand. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of people squirmy. I, I, I think I take for granted how easy it is for me to talk about it. And, you know, I have people who are parents coming to me and asking me for advice and I'm not a parent. So mm. it's very difficult for me to put myself in their shoes. But the advice that I can give is that there is a hunger for that conversation. Approached in the right way, it can be done, um, but we just need to do that. And to circle back to that campaign, I think that that is a fantastic starting place. I think that it does a good job of putting it into the public sphere in a way that's non-confrontational. He might not know how relationships actually work. We don't even talk about consent, do we? Now we just get straight to it. Yeah, and I'd never act like that in real life. <laughs> Hey, Maddie. You're right. Oh, okay, Sandra. Stay calm. You know what to do here. In a way that's sort of funny. I mean, I think that's just the optimal way to get people to talk about a topic that's quite awkward otherwise. And then what needs to happen after that? Okay, this campaign is out there. People, everyone's talking about it. But what is the next step? As I say, the getting that conversation to not be just on a surface level ha ha the 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 porn ad is funny sort of thing um taking it and and running with it i feel like we're on the verge of a shift towards more honest discussion about pornography and you can look at shows like sex education oh, i love you so bad this is a new frontier my sexually repressed friend our chance to finally move up the social food chain I love you so I'm worried about you, man. Everybody's either thinking about shagging, about to shag, or actually shagging. Or other shows that target teenagers that there really is a move towards more frank discussion about what would otherwise be, would even five or ten years ago would have been seen as very taboo topics. And if teenagers and parents are seeing the same shows, that gives them a discussion point. Yeah, but, but in the end, what what do we want to achieve here? You know, Do we want this discussion, this openness, uh, lead us to preventing young people right. and boys in particular from looking at porn from from such an early age? Sorry, just one thing which I'll, I'll just pick up on is that the argument that boys in particular view the majority of pornography, the, the girls in the recent study suggested that they were, their desires to view pornography or their access to pornography was often pushed to the wayside because of this focus on boys and young men. So uh, I think it's important that we also talk about young girls because we tend to think you know boys are the ones who view pornography and in a sense that sort of normalizes boys pornography viewing as well arguably Um, but young girls are also viewing it and viewing it willfully as well as to the other part of the question it's not going to be possible to uh, moderate it the cat's out of the bag in terms of access to the content the best that can be done is to make it something that can be interrogated and talked about. But, I mean, we're, we're in an unprecedented situation 
I know. So we we really don't know what the outcome of this will be because this is like the first generation really that has that, of those young people that have the digital access to it at such a young age. But I mean, I guess... Is it well, sorry. Uh, admittedly, uh, you know, the, this t- type of technology, these phones, these streaming services have been around for over ten years. So there is, you know, but, the generation that is coming up, the ones who were already exposed to streaming on their cell phones are already in their mid twenties. So, I mean, so your people your age then? Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. So you, you had, had access to. Well, I'm know, a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you around about thirty? Yeah, so I, there's a, uh, but that's that's the thing. I think we have this tendency to to think that the current moment is the most, you know, that it's the Exposed. young people today, the thirteen and fourteen year olds of today, but. The 13 and 14 year olds of 10 years ago were also exposed to similar rates, and in fact, there's evidence that uh, the pornography of 10 to 15 years ago was more violent, or more violent pornography was more popular at that stage, really? which I think throws a little bit of a spanner in those works. So getting back to the move to be more open, parents talking to their kids more openly, teachers talking to the kids more openly mm. about it, isn't that dangerous? I mean, co- couldn't it backfire, making it seem normal? Well, I don't think it could be any worse than it is now. Um, pornography is already normalised in teenage cultures. Pornography is already a normal part of their upbringing. We need to normalise it in adult conversations. But, I mean, what is that conversation, though? Because pornography is a terrible thing. I mean, well, it does, Yeah, there is a lot of extreme and very violent content that is out there and that is accessible and... I think that the best way forward is to, uh, you know, if they feel uncomfortable about that content, is to reject it or think about the political reasons why they might not like it or discuss with their friends the reasons that they might find that kind of content appealing and have that discussion with other people. So the message from Chris Taylor, the surveys of young people and the chief censor is that young people and adults need to talk about porn. All right, Maddie. it sounds like it's time to have a talk about the difference between what you see online and real-life relationships. Which takes us back to that ad campaign and the cheeky storyline that started a conversation we've all been avoiding for decades. No judgement. Many young Kiwis are using porn to learn about sex. Keep it real online. Get help and advice at keepitrealonline.govt.nz. Here's advertising executive Hilary Nankey again. Over the COVID period and, you know, while everyone was in lockdown, this project came about, um, which is led by the Department of Internal Affairs, but they have partnered with NetSafe, the Classification Office and the Ministry of Education. So they, you know, went out to pitch um, to various agencies. And it was and, at, and sorry, was it, was it while we were all in lockdown? Yeah, while we were all in lockdown. And... At that point, NetSafe kind of threw our hat in the ring and said, oh, well, we've worked with these guys and, you know, they look at things a little bit differently. You know, why don't you see if they want to have a go? And, you know, everything moved really quickly. So I think we had up to a week to put together some ideas. Right, and what was the brief? Well, the brief was around, um, you know, with all these kids being at home, spending a whole ton of hours on the internet, essentially, and parents doing their best to kind of supervise, but everyone was stressed, we had work, you know. It was really an opportunity to highlight some of the issues with the sort of online world for young people. School was online, everything was on their devices. So basically the brief had a lot of really rigorous information on these issues that 
young people are facing. One Such of which is encountering, you know, online pornography, online bullying, which is a massive problem, online grooming. And I mean, this brief in particular was around supporting parents. So really kind of empowering them to understand what their kids are going through in the online world and helping them to kind of be prepared for keeping them safe in their online world. At what point did you think, let's get some porn stars in to do an anti-porn ad? (laughs) I think it was actually quite early on and we knew we wanted something that would thread through the entire campaign and link it all together. And one of the insights that we kind of had was that parents, we all know everyone's making it up as they go along, they don't have the same sort of fear or apprehension when they're dealing with issues that are real world issues, you know, whether it's something like road safety or talking to strangers or, you know, anything like that. So we were trying to kind of trying to explore how do we give parents that confidence when it comes to these real issues online. Yeah, and so I think quite early on we came up with the idea of, you know, what would happen if they appeared on your doorstep? Because that's essentially what, what is happening, is they're coming into your home through, you know, a device. And I think a natural progression to that was really the porn stars turning up on the doorstep. I mean, we knew we wanted to create some sort of almost shock value, um, purely to get the issue noticed. And also one of the things that sort of the research has shown is that a parent might not have thought about the issue of pornography before in their child. So when they are actually faced with that, they are shocked. Matt! Matt, darling, there's some people here to see you! And their reaction might not be, in hindsight, you know, how they wish they'd reacted. So Mm. if we can do that shock now, then hopefully, you know, when that point comes, they can be a little bit more cool, calm and collected. Okay, Sandro, stay calm. You know what to do here. Yeah, so you've got the shock and you've got the humour. And, I mean, you've had such an amazing reaction to it. Yeah, it's been really incredible, actually. I mean, when you come up with these ideas, which, you know, in our case was, you know, when we were in our living room. You, were you? Yeah. You were literally in your living room. Yeah, we were all still in, in lockdown. So we were, you know, everyone was in their, their living room or their flat or their bedroom or, you know. Um, you hope that people will react, you know, positively and people will you know, really take hold of it and share it and Mm. all of that good stuff. Um, So when it actually came to happen, it was just, yeah, really incredible. And the thing I think we weren't prepared for was the amount of pickup it's had overseas. The government of New Zealand has come up with a creative way to encourage parents to talk to their kids about sex with a new PSA featuring adult film stars. The headlines have been running across media around the world and the BBC even translated the ad into Portuguese, Japanese and Swahili. Which for us really showed that it's an issue everywhere. Mm. And I think, you know, a lot of people commenting on social media and some of the commentary in overseas media has shown that no one's talking about it. So the fact that the New Zealand government would even bring it up is quite something. And yes, it's gone round the world. Do you know it works? Well, I think one of the things that has been really important as part of this campaign is that the Department of Internal Affairs put together some resources for parents on a website, um, Keep It Real Online. 
www.govt.nz. And that gives really practical advice on the issues and what, as a parent, you can do to sort of keep your child safe. So we've seen in the last three weeks since we've had the campaign live, you know, some really strong website traffic from New Zealand, which shows us that people are going there and reading through all of the advice, which is something in itself, I think. Um, And then anecdotally, we're getting lots of comments which are lovely to read of people who've you know kind of said oh I I saw this video and I laughed but actually afterwards I took my son out for a walk and and had a chat. Um, Have you had any other feedback? One of the pieces of feedback I guess is that it's not appropriate to talk about. It's not natural, it shouldn't be part of society but I think the problem is is that right now today it is out there and readily available. So, you know, looking at the situation we're in and looking at the young people that are growing up today, I think one of the best things we can do is talk about it. And having gone through this whole process, Mm -hmm. what do you think about how New Zealand does deal with it? I have actually been quite proud of how... We've dealt with the issues. I mean, New Zealand has a reputation of brushing things under the carpet, I think, as a culture. But to see the number of people who are openly talking about these issues online, sharing social media posts, tagging in a, a million friends, I think is pretty pretty cool. And really one of the first governments, there are lots of great non-government organisations out there doing good things but the first government to really recognise these issues and say you know we're just going to talk about it we're just going to talk about it. Great what next? Yeah so the series is out there now um, and I think the next step for us is focusing on how do we talk to our young people directly. I'm sure there are other things that you know we haven't yet picked up. The internet's changing constantly so that means that the issues are changing constantly as well and using the same kind of platforms that kids are getting access to the porn to actually send out the message we haven't yet figured that one Mm. out but yeah the aim is to be where where young people are That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile phone every weekday from any podcast platform. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. Thanks to Hilary Nanke and Chris Taylor. And that website for parents, again, is keepitrealonline.gov.nz. Mā te wā. 